Hey guys, it's your boy Vinny B from Raider Nation Radio in the huddle. Guys, I've been talking for months now about TAT, an affordable quality CBD cigarette. Well, good news, all TAT products are now available at all Speedy Marts across Las Vegas. That's right, TAT products, all of them, are now available at all Speedy Marts across Las Vegas. Welcome back to the second hour of the morning tailgate here on Raider Nation Radio. It's Heidi Fang, Vinny Bonsignor, myself, Clay Bakers. We are live at the Raiders Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center in Henderson, Nevada. Happy to be here. Happy to bring you all the great coverage as you'll get it all day long here on R&R 920 with JT the Brick from 12 to 2 and Q Myers with Unnecessary Roughness from 2 to 5. Uh, we'll get some phone calls as well as uh, 702-365-9200. And we'll read your text up at R&R 920 AM. And we'll also be joined by Ryan Sakamoto from uh, uh, Pro Football Writer, long time uh, with Bleacher Report and CBS. He'll join us at 9 o'clock. Uh, a couple things. Before we went to break, I want, I want to get more thoughts on, on what, the, what you're seeing here on defense because you see that uh, Kyle Fackrell goes out uh, and listed now on injury reserve for out for the year. But this is now going to increase reps for guys like Cleve Furl. Jerry Green, Malcolm Kuntz, but also you brought up, uh, you know, uh, Myron Tagovaiola, uh, somebody that... No, that's um, the Notre Dame linebacker. We're talking about Isaiah Polamalu. Oh, I'm sorry, yeah, Isaiah Polamalu. Isaiah Polamalu that uh, is a guy that, you know, is kind of like an unknown quality. Like, you want to know, like, what you're going to get, but what do we know about him so far that has already, like, shown you that, like, you know, he's kind of step- standing out from the rest? You know what's so uh, funny about uh, this sometimes is, like, you look at a guy, undrafted free agent, so in your mind you're like, oh, not not the most heralded. This is a guy that was a four-star, re- four-star recruit, first-team prep All-American, all of these accolades going to USC from a powerhouse uh, Mountain Point High School in, uh, in, in Phoenix, Arizona. So he was really heralded, was a team captain uh, at USC, but... And look, six foot four, two oh five. He looks the part, right, Heidi? I mean, every time we look at him, we're like, "Oh, wow, who's yeah. that guy over there?" So um, I, uh, it's 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 a guy to me. Where again, at USC, the coaching, you know, there there were there were a lot of defensive changes on their coaching staff over there. Um, it just wasn't really working from a coaching standpoint. That's why they made the coaching uh, change that they did. He might be somebody that has still has so much upside that it wasn't able to really be brought out of him at USC for him to be a higher draft pick, but somebody that his best fu- football is still in his future, and now it's up to this coaching staff to get it out of him. But he's got every – you just watch him on the practice field, and there's things that he's already done that are going, okay, that's NFL-like. That's an NFL quality. Uh, now it's doing it more consistently, getting the fundamentals uh, down pat, and that's going to be on the coaches. But there's no question that he could play football. Right, and comes from a great pedigree of, of defensive Lay back. it on us, Heidi. Just in case you all didn't know, he is the nephew of Troy Palomalu from – the Pittsburgh Steelers. Former so, USC. Yeah, and also, yeah, All-American there with UFC. So that's uh, interesting to know, as well as running backs coach. It says here that running backs coach Kennedy Palomalu is the nephew, uh, is, I'm sorry, the, the uncle, uncle. Yeah. Yeah, to Troy Palomalu. So Troy Palomalu is the uncle for Isaiah Palomalu. That makes Kennedy Palomalu the great right. uncle. 
So a great um, family tree branchage there. No doubt about it. Great pedigree. <laughs> uh, Ancestry.com so we can follow yeah. him. Yeah. <laughs> and did I mention he's six foot four, two oh five, and it's yeah, <laughs> just stands out uh, when when he's on the field amongst Definitely. other NFL players, and he's a rookie. So who knows uh, what the, what the Raiders have uh, in, in in this young safety from USC. Very good fundamentals too, from what I'm watching with his feet when they're going through the drills. I, I like watching his feet and the way that he keeps his hips and, and low like down at a good parallel level, but with quickness. It's as well. so amazing that you bring that up, Heidi, because um, he's made improvements just in the week and a half or so that they've been out there. Because, and I always watch this because guys that are getting like when the coach goes up to talk to somebody, it's usually there's usually a reason. It's not just because you've maybe done something incorrectly. Mm-hmm. The, they care about you a little bit. Yeah. They, they see something in you, yeah. right? So um, when you talk about that technique early on, it was a little bit raw, sloppy, I guess. Like a puppy finding his yes. feet when they start to grow exactly. like a big Exactly. Uh, but since puppy. then, it's gotten better and better and better. So um, that's, again, the coaching is going to be very important for a development player like this. Uh, and if you can get it out of him and get him to a higher level, he's got everything else uh, that you need. So uh, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, you know – Lester Cottons, all those guys of the world that kind of came, Andre James, that came up the hard way, uh, but somebody saw something in them and this, and decided it's worth the investment, it's worth the, the time that we're going to put him in, uh, put into him right now because their payoff might uh, come down the line. And for him, it might be sooner rather than later. Right. I think a lot of these safeties are going to get opportunities with as many three safety looks that we've seen from Patrick Graham. That's so good. that's something that you have an opportunity there. Make the most of that window. And lastly, when you look at the future, at, we don't know how long Jonathan Abram is going to be here. We don't know. Deron Harmon, I think, was, what, a one-year deal? Yeah. So uh, there's, you know, and, and as a general manager, Dave Ziegler, you're looking at things like that. You're looking at, okay, it might not be this year. We, don't, we may not need him this year because they've got Harmon. They've got Jonathan Abram. But when you look at that positional group uh, and that population, you're going, okay, but that's not going to be the case next year. So we may need, we may need somebody uh, by this time next year to step up. And if we invest the time uh, in a young player like this, maybe it's on the practice squad uh, for future dividends. Uh, that future dividend might be next year when this safety room looks completely different. Sure. And I think you want to see somebody push Tyree Gillespie, Roderick Teamer. You know, they're not necessarily guaranteed uh, because they're not Ziegler guys. They're not McDaniels guys. They are going to go and find their own evaluation process for what they feel is going to be the real effective defense. And, uh, you know, when you have so much turnover, you need these new faces to go and find out, all right, where does the direction go? And, you know, will Patrick Graham even be here next year? You don't know. Right. So you want to make sure the cupboard's full. But you know what? Uh, real quick on the conversation about that, the number three wide receiver for the Raiders. And we have noticed that, you know, um, you know I even read uh, the, the mailbag on VegasStation.com, letters uh, to Vinny. As somebody had asked about, like, all right, who are, they, are they upgrades over Zay Jones? You know, love letters to Vinny. <laughs> I like it. Can we call that a segment? Can we just make that a segment? Yeah, we love used, letters we used to, to do that, love letters to Pritch. We yeah. should bring that back. <laughs> love letters to Vinny. Uh, but, you know, it, it depends on what Derek Carr needs, doesn't it? Because he targeted Zay a lot last year. But one thing, Zay didn't have, like, all that great vertical, vertical tracking that when the ball was up in the air, uh, you know, Zay wasn't always able to come down with it. Who can do a better job of that in practice so far? And 
is that what the, you've seen from some of these guys, uh, from like from Demarcus Robinson, Matt Collins, even Tyron Johnson, and Keelan Cole? Well, um, that's what I really like about this wide receiver group is that um, it, it's filled. Tyron Johnson is a guy that still, you know, he, he's he's had some opportunities and he's kind of he's still a young player. But when you talk about Matt Collins and when you talk about Demarcus uh, uh, Robinson and Keelan Cole, these guys are proven NFL players. Mm-hmm. Yep. So. There's, I don't see any issues with them doing whatever they're asked to do out there, right, Heidi? Yeah. It's like they're already basically finished products. Of course, everyone wants to always get better. That's the quest. But I think for for those type of guys, it's more just about consistently doing it and taking advantage of your opportunities. But that's what I really like about this wide receiver room. What does uh, Derek Carr always talk about? Green bananas. These are ripe bananas that are out there. <laughs> guys that you can rely on as a quarterback to do what you're supposed to do and not hope that they're going to be doing what they're supposed to do. I just laugh because I still like green bananas, tostones. You take them, you fry them up, you put a little salt. Eh, it's delicious. Anyhow, green bananas, ripe bananas, amarillos. We take them, we learn and see and watch. And something that I've always learned in life, and I'm not an NFL player, clearly, but it's never stop learning, right. never stop mm-hmm. growing, never stop trying to be a better version of yourself. And that's what you're really seeing, the cream in this group. It's like they say the cream rises to the top. All I see out there is cream right I, now. Exactly. Okay. And I saw just – I think it was yesterday my days were running uh, uh, all yeah. together. <laughs> I don't know what day it is, Vinny. But um, <laughs> Devontae – yesterday panicked. I yeah. the show. <laughs> Devontae Adams saw, saw Hunter Renfro do something on a nice, on a nice <laughs> rep that he had um, and then you know uh, came over to him on the sidelines and they were walking it out right there. So he sought out Hunter Renfro um, to, to find out what were you – you know, and you know, I'm just observing that I love being having the access that we have right now to be able to see stuff like that so to Heidi's point Devontae Adams Hall of Famer to be um, as good as it gets in the NFL arguably the best wide receiver in the NFL does not lose sight of the fact that I could still get better and here's a guy that I trust and respect and like what I'm seeing what did you just do on that play? What was that footwork all about uh, in order to to maybe incorporate some of what Hunter does and vice versa uh, into what he does? That's great because I'd like to see like um you know, even Derek Carr, when asked on Saturday, it was a piece of audio like the just play because somebody just said, all right, talk about the wide receiver room. So talk about some of the, the faces, the new faces that have impressed you. And this is what Derek had to say on Raider Nation Radio. You know, Keelan has really impressed me uh, with, um, you know, his ability to turn in the, in the air to make catches, his ability on the sideline. He's really good. Um, you know, that's never a doubt if he's in or out. Like he just some guys have a natural feel of where they're at on the field. He runs some really crisp routes. Uh, Robinson has done, you know, he's flashed that talent, you know, that speed that we've seen, you know, happen against us, you know, uh, for, for a few years. And, um, you know, he's flashed those same things here, that ability uh, to be, you know, someone that can stretch the field and also run the intermediate to short stuff and, you know, make something happen afterwards. And uh, yeah, Mac, he's someone that he does everything, you know, he's a big body. Uh, obviously, he's he's made a great career and you know, you know playing some special teams things and being able to play all the positions at receiver. And I think I try and tell guys all the time too. And, and Mac is like an indication of that. Like, try and learn it all. You know, if you can jump in at this spot or you can jump in here, I mean, it just helps your ability to play for a long time. And Mac uh, reminds me of that. You know, he he just he learns it all and he he's a he's one of the first guys I've seen where you know. You know, maybe he's not the number one target right now or things like that, but people gravitate towards him because of his work ethic. You know, they want to sit around him. They want to be around him. He's a, obviously, you guys know, he's a funny, he's a cool guy. You know, guys want to be around him. But 
uh, it's all football, you know, and uh, his his ability to tell the young guys, like, man, this is how I did it. Like, come on, you know, if you're not one of the top guys, you you got to play special teams. What are you doing? Let's go. And his ability to push guys in that direction has been impressive, um, you know, to, to get that out of guys. Because um, you know how if I played receiver and I was the number one guy in my college, when you come here, you're like, dang, you know. I got run down on a kickoff, you know, all that kind of stuff. But Mac does a good job of, you know, make, you know, helping uh, guys understand what it's like to be a pro. Keelan Cole, very glowing. Demarcus Robinson, very glowing comments. And, and Mac Hollins, there, he almost went 50 seconds on that alone. Heidi, is there any way to discern if any three of them have any sort of like leverage or another? But they all seem to actually have three different characteristics that Derek Carr really covets. Right, and it's a great thing to have. It's a great problem to have when it comes down to selecting a 53-man roster and 46 guys they're going to address on Sundays or Mondays or Thursdays, whatever day it ends up being. Whatever but, that three-hour window is. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, It's a matter of, I think, how they are best suited to a play design, how they're best suited to an opponent. And then you have the Mac Collins uh, effect in which he has found roles for himself in special teams. I'm sure you might see Demarcus Robinson maybe in that uh, capacity as well. Yeah, that's something that they haven't had in a good long time. It's a conversation I believe you, me, and Q were having that they haven't had a guy since maybe uh, Corderell Patterson that has been really fast and shifty on those kick returns and able to get out and really stretch the field and go for those 100-plus yard return touchdown type deals. So that is something that I think could be a huge asset to this team if they could find the right guy for that kick return job too. What I also like about uh, how the wide receivers are working, and this goes to the uh, to the, to the coaching staff, uh, they have drills where um, – it's, it's like, to, let's say, to the corner of the end zone, all right? Um, and it's not – they don't make the throw easy. It's not a – okay, it's one thing just to throw the ball. You're, you know, halfway into the end zone, catch it. Great. Oh, it's never that easy, right? I mean, sometimes it is. But a lot of times you're going to make a play. You have to make a play along the sidelines on a tough ball that maybe the quarterback had to sling under pressure, and it's not exactly where it's supposed to be. And maybe you're going to have to come down with both feet in a very tight area, mm-hmm. and they, they literally – replicate those types of situations in how they throw it. Like, they throw it a little off. It's not necessarily Derek Carr doing it. It's usually the assistant coaches, and that's the drill. Go up and get it. Make a play in the corner of the end zone where we got to have you get this ball, and we have to have you come down with both of those feet and make it happen. And I like the fact that that's what they replicate, something that – um, isn't easy. It's hard to do, but you're paid to do that, and you're an NFL player, and we're going to get you to that point where it becomes hopefully second nature. Now, I've been going to the Raiders training camp since 2016, not obviously as long as some people, but it's a good portion of time to have really soaked in what the Raiders do during training camp. Now, mm-hmm. this training camp is unlike anyone that I've been to so far for them. Mm-hmm. Reason being is they are giving them real-time situations to be able to prepare themselves for. And that is a, just knowledge that you can't get just going through a normal positional drill and just running through tackle posts or just trying to do your feet with the agility ladder. There's all these different things that you can actually now 
do in situational time, real time, things that you're actually going to encounter that is making this team better. Exactly. And it reminds me a lot of, especially that when they break it up into those individual mm-hmm. groups, and it's not just the safeties Mm-mm. or linebackers. Mm-hmm. It's the safeties and the tight ends. Um, and, and it reminds me of a senior ball practice, all right? When, when, we, when you go to the senior ball, you've got every coach, every general manager there. And they want to, as opposed to the scouting combine where it's just an Olympic uh, event, in, in the senior bowl, the practices are structured in a way that they're going to create scenarios that you're actually going to encounter in the NFL. A tight end versus a safety. A safety, a slot, uh, you know, a cornerback against a running back, covering them out of the backfield. Blocking. Like, how many times have we seen them break off uh, and have, you know, and we actually saw uh, uh, Kenyon Drake get, get hurt a little bit uh, yesterday in oh, that yeah, drill, where it was, just, it was just a linebacker, blitz mm-hmm. or whatever the linebacker was doing on that play and the, and the running back blocking him. Yeah. All right. So, and you're seeing safeties against tight ends, cornerbacks against running backs, cornerbacks against wide receivers in real practical one-on-one drills in, 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 in sections of the field that that's actually going to happen. Yeah. It's not 11 on 11. It's one-on-one. And how much of football comes down to, Winning your one-on-one Beating battle. That. Yeah, that's, that's what, what it comes down to. Seeing Kenyon Drake was a Denzel Perryman he went against, I think. Yeah. yeah, and he did get nipped right there, a little bit of a dead arm, but he's okay. He went on right. and completed more drills throughout the day, but it's just those type of situations are going to happen. Do you hold on to the football in that case? Are you going to fumble in that case? What do you do to protect the football in that case? There's all those little things that you can learn from that type of drill, and how do you shake the coverage? How do you get past Denzel Perryman coming at you like a man? man because let me tell you he doesn't have a motor that stops how do you block him yeah that's to save your quarterback's <laughs> life you know what i'm saying then yeah. make sure that guy yeah. he doesn't take the, the quarterbacks it's it's simulating actual situations and Great we haven't like like heidi said we haven't seen that a lot um uh, over the last couple of years we're seeing it this year yeah the real game situations now is uh, that's what's going to help define you to get past and I, now you can see why they've been so fundamentally laden in these uh, early d- uh, portions of practice ever since minicamp let's take a break we'll continue on this and Take some calls at 702-365-9200. Vinny, Heidi, and Clay on your morning tailgate here on a Monday. Thank you for joining us here on Raider Nation Radio. It's the Monday morning tailgate on r 920. Ryan Sakamoto will join us at 9 o'clock here as we broadcast live from the Raiders Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center. Damon Cotton back at the studio doing a great job, and we'll take calls on the Realty One Group listener line at 702 365 9200. So then just as a bookend, the conversation on the number three wide receiver, um, uh, Demarcus Robinson, Keelan Cole, Mac Hollins. So what then for Tyron Johnson? I mean, how does he fit into all this? Because last year, the Raiders only uh, uh, had five wide receivers uh, to begin the year, the beginning of the regular season. Yeah, um, and and how many times have we said this? It comes down to a numbers game. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a very complicated situation coming up with fifty three players, and then as Heidi mentioned, you've you've got to get that down to forty six players. Uh, in, in you know, uh, and yeah. there's reasons why they do that. Uh, I think I think you should be able to play. I think you should have fifty three guys use your practice squad uh, to fill it out. Um, we'll get into that some other time. Uh, there's reasons why uh, they don't. I'm with you. Yeah, we'll get it. That that belongs on it's another because, day. It's because it's yeah. because like yeah. I, I had a long conversation uh, with an NFL coach about that, and he's like, "Well, what if I only have forty three healthy players, and they've got fifty three healthy players?" Yeah. And uh, so it becomes a competitive thing. Mm-hmm. My whole thing is then take players from your practice squad. I'll open up the practice squad. 
to be able to bring them up and down whenever you see fit, whenever you need it, to fill out a healthy 53-man roster exactly. every single game. So there's ways to do it. We'll get into that one day. Um, <laughs> but you're right. So what do you do with the Tyron Johnson? Do you keep six wide receivers? In my um, projected 53-man ro- roster, which by now is going to change uh, the next time I do it, uh, I had the Raiders only keeping two quarterbacks. I think you could do that. Um, oh, okay. You know, maybe yeah. let's just say yeah. for argument's sake, release Nick Mullins. I don't think there's a major market for Nick Mullins out there, so mm-hmm. chances are he'll he'll go through waivers and then bring him back on the practice squad. So he's practicing with you every day and all that. You're not really losing anything, um, and you just dress two quarterbacks on game day, which you typically do uh, anyway. So, um, but I didn't have him keeping six wide receivers initially. I think I would now. The question is, do you dress six? wide receivers uh, every week. And here's one thing. You always have to account for injuries. So there might be a guy a, a week, a couple of weeks, where Demarcus Robinson can't even play because he's got an ankle injury. So um, he's one of the guys that's, that's you know, not dressing out that particular game. Um, and then, you know, you have your offense. It's just such, so complicated. It, it, the easy thing to say is, yes, keep Tyron Johnson. He's obviously good enough to, to be on an NFL roster and probably to help you. Um, but where does that where where do you take what where on the team do you take a player uh, out of the equation to keep that sixth wide receiver? That's the hard part. It's like how many I was just counting how many were on the roster ten currently. So you still have to think about how many guys are going to be fr- you know slimmed down to from there, mm-hmm. and then the practice squad as well. So you're going to have to have what sixteen right to the practice squad yeah. is the number this year. And that's expanded, right? It's, From, been, it's been expanded since yeah. COVID, yeah. Yeah, so they still have that, luckily. And that, you have, helps. If, if, if the rules from the last two years carries over, sorry to interrupt you, but kind of important. Um, in years past, before COVID, uh, your practice squad was only made up of players that were still eligible to be on practice mm-hmm. squad. So in other words, if you had a certain amount of accrued time on an NFL roster – you're no longer eligible to be on the practice squad. However, because of COVID-19, I think they designated six of those uh, spots on your practice squad to anybody. That's that's how guys like Sam Young ended up being on the roster. Good old Sam Young. Yeah. We've said his name more than I ever thought we'd right. say Sam I Young. I feel bad for Sam because he was never supposed to play that right. much. But, you know, <laughs> anyway. He's a mentor. But yeah. guys like Theo Riddick, um, you know, I can there's, – there's, uh, uh, there was a safety from, from Washington that they got last year, the former Alabama, uh, uh, Clinton Dix. Mm-hmm. Remember? He was yeah. on their practice squad. In years past, he wouldn't have been eligible because he had already exhausted uh, all of his eligibility by playing so much in the NFL. So you still have six spots, hopefully, uh, to be able to designate um, as as guys that are really experienced NFL players that still want to stick around for $18,000 a week or whatever you get uh, on the practice squad with the ability to come up to the uh, regular roster because uh, that, that's been um, expanded as well. Or the, the, the manner in which you can move guys up and down, it's, it's way more flexible than it was in the past. So usually to get onto the, onto the regular season, you had to go through waivers and yeah. all that type of stuff. So uh, anyway. And now there's that eliminated. And part of the reason I'm thinking about that is because of the defensive tackle spot as well with some of the injuries that we spoke yesterday with Andrew Billings who's in the defensive tackle competition and he's probably the last remaining next to Kyle Pecco of the the type I think I'm sorry and Vernon Butler as well mm-hmm. uh, that are that plus 300 pound yeah. pure like nose tackle body that can really work in a 3-4 yeah he's still on the pup though yeah, yeah yeah so yeah but I he'll mean, 
You, you think he'll figure. be back? Yeah. Okay. So no, no, still no reason for the panic button on those guys yet. But you're thinking as those kind of scenarios do pop up, yeah, how yeah. they're going to have the rotation, the availability of the guys that they're going to need to have to execute the sub defenses. The clock the is ticking on that. Yeah. I would imagine, um, you know, uh, I, I think we're only practicing one day this week. That's right. Um, so no, no reason really to to bring any of those guys back for one practice. So. No. I'm looking more to next next week exactly. to me is a big week yeah. uh, because we're getting into that August 23rd. Uh, I know it's just August. It just started. It, it's but coming though. It's still coming. Yeah. And and also you want to get him uh, some reps. You want to get him out on the field. And, and, and I'm talking specifically about Trayvon Mullen and Jonathan Hankins and Bilal Nichols. Those are the three guys that the Raiders are counting on. You know, yep. so we'll see uh, when they come back. I think I think next week um, – I would circle next week. We'll see. You got to circle next week because you also have to see, like, if these guys cannot go, then then what? And we got to go shopping. All that and more as we approach uh, the short break here. Give us 90 seconds. We'll come back with your calls at 702-365-9200. still reserve on deck. All that and more next. 702-365-9200 is the Realty One Group listener line. We'll get some thoughts from you. We want to hear from you here on Raider Nation Radio as we approach Jaguars Week and Hall of Fame Week here on r 920. Got some great texts as well from the Salmon Ash text line 69187, and we'll get to them all here on r 920. But let's go out to uh, – oh, yeah, go ahead, Vinny. Oh, just real quick, um, Nick Taylor, uh, Kansas City Chiefs uh, beat writer, just uh, tweeted out that Patrick Mahomes – uh, had to go to the white medical tent. It looked like a uh, very painful, um, he's saying ankle, it looked like, uh, really? ankle injury. So uh, something to, to keep an eye on. Um, obviously, don't wish any injuries on anybody. want to no, see no, everybody no. 100%. But Patrick Mahomes is Patrick Mahomes. So sorry to cut you off, but I just saw that tweet. I wonder uh, if that was like a non-contact uh, drill or something like that because when – I mean, you, you talk about the way they want to protect Derek Carr. <laughs> yeah. In this training camp, uh, it's 10 times more in Kansas City. Yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, oh, he just walked out of the white medical tent with his helmet. So uh, in the team period, Patrick Mahomes hobbled off the field and is now being looked at by a trainer. Mm-hmm. Uh, he might have tweaked his left ankle. Um, so there you go. So uh, oh, helmet is back on. Patrick Mahomes said, hey. <laughs> They're not holding me out of this practice. Yeah, they're like, we'll I'm not, I know it. We're not letting uh, anybody get in, in here. Uh, don't even call Chad Henney. Uh, I'll be in. Uh, 702-365-9200. Let's get out to South Fremont with 211 Steel Reserve. Good morning to you, sir. Good morning. God bless, hey. crew. God bless. Hey, you too. how are you going to put me on pause for some KC Chiefs? Come on. <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> Hey man, it's all about the AFC West. You want to you want to win the uh, the AFC West, right? Know thy enemy. every news, every every uh, every every uh, nugget from uh, from across from from uh, Costa Mesa to uh, Kansas City to uh, where Greeley, Colorado, I think is where the Denver Broncos. Uh, you know that uh. all that is uh, is pertinent <laughs> to the Raiders. All right, all right, I got, I got you. But so check this out. Um, I had a call. Uh, I'm, I'm juiced. Mm-hmm. Can't wait. I, I mean, you, I'm a degenerate. I even got a football square grid going on for the Hall of Fame game. Beautiful. So, man. You know, that's how I get down. But uh, <laughs> look, I had a call because after I heard that call from, uh, I believe, Raider Mike. Yes, sir. That call was deep. Yep. It was deep. And it's, uh, man, look, there's a lot of prejudice towards the Raiders to this day, whether it be towards the fans and how they say dumb things. Uh, oh, I wouldn't go to a Raider game because it's, you know, it's crazy in Oakland. You can get stabbed. That kind of prejudice versus the refs against us, the league against us, 
and even to the Hall of Fame against the Raiders. There's a lot of Raider players that deserve to be in there, and the numbers just don't add up when you let other people in and you got the Raiders looking in from the outside with their numbers that blatantly are better than who you just inducted a couple years ago. Um, Amy Trask, that, that's a shoe-in. How can you not have her in there? You know, it, it's. I'm going to tell you something. I'm with what Raider Mike is saying, and, and, and it, it's starting – start, my perspective, you're starting to see the ball roll a little easier because of the bridges that uh, Mark Davis has mended. Maybe I'm, you know, maybe I'm tripping, but I that's what I see. The perceived, I perceive that, and I see that, and I've seen the things that we've done and got our stadium, and how we're getting some praise and a little respect here and there. I'm not saying it's totally there, but I think at the same time, the more we start winning on the field and we start making, you know, ourselves a a yearly, uh, you know contender yes and uh our players go out there and do their thing i think it's going to be a lot easier for them to pound the table ask players as well to get some of those ogs into the into the hall of fame so you know what like al davis said we're going to take what we want so we're going to, if, if that means that we got to go out there and pound the table and win and show you that we have weight in the league once again and we are going to take our rightful place on that marquee of top NFL teams, because I believe we're probably the most recognizable team. I do too. Besides the Cowboy in the league worldwide. I agree. Two eleven. How many? Two eleven. Real quick, quick question for you: How many uh, Raider players would you say are in the Hall of Fame that 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 that, that played a game uh, with the Raiders? And I looked this up the other day, and I cannot. I, I know how many we have, but they played a game with the Raiders. I don't know. You got me on that one. Uh, counting, you know, Cliff and Richard going in uh, this weekend, it's gonna th- that's gonna um, uh, make it thirty players, uh, thirty Raider players. I'll, I'll read the list off to you, and I, I want to do that because, um, you know, I'm, I'm I'm hearing that you know there are some players that that deserve to be in the Hall of Fame, and 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 I agree. But here we go: Ron Mix, Jim Otto, George Blanda, Willie Brown, Gene Upshaw, Fred Blitnikoff, Art Shell, Ted Hendricks, Al Davis, Mike Haynes, Eric Dickerson, Howie Long, Ronnie Lott, Dave Casper. Marcus Allen, James Lofton, Bob Brown, John Madden, Rod Woodson, Jerry Rice, Warren Sapp, Ray Guy, Tim Brown, Ron Wolf, Ken Stabler, Randy Moss, Tom Flores, Charles Woodson, um, Cliff Branch, and Richard Seymour. Uh, just uh, educate me because obviously I've, I've covered Los Angeles sports pretty much my entire life and covering the Raiders since 2019. Who are we talking about that is the has to be in there that isn't in there now? Off the top of my head, I have to go through my list. But Villapiano, I think. I think for me, it would be Villapiano and uh, Christensen. Mine is Greg Townsend too. For me, for me, I'm sorry, but for me, lately, as a lady, she wasn't a player. But Amy Trask, without a doubt. Okay, and, all uh, right. The one, the one thing I'm going to say that I with Raider uh, Mike that I disagree though is that he said that the guys Al Davis, Madden, and all them are up there saying finally. No, I think Al. And the rest of the Raiders are not going to say finally <laughs> until they're all in there. They belong in there. That that's yeah, my, yeah. I think I think I there's agree. I think there's three more that that should you know uh, that to, to me um, and that is Villapiano mm-hmm. and um, uh, and Todd Christensen. Todd for sure. Christensen for sure. And Greg Townsend uh, I think is is nipping on the uh, on those heels. So. Yeah. Lyle Alzado's not in the Hall of Fame. I know. Wasn't he like the most dominant uh, linebacker that you could ever imagine, especially during that era when he played? Yeah, he and was like, a great defensive linebacker. Like, and... he just, it was a game changer every time he right. came out there. You know, it's funny that, um, you know, and Tulevin kind of uh, brought this up before uh, about kind of like, you know, maybe like an a overriding stigma 
uh, about the Raiders with the rest of the National Football League. But, you know, when you take a look at, like, the, how the TV ratings were last year, especially for that Thanksgiving Day game, when you got almost 40 million Set people record, watching that, right? Like, every time the Raiders are on national TV, they become, like, one of the top 10, you know, highest rated games of the year. There's... It, it, I wouldn't. I don't know. It's, it's it's hard to say. Like put an adjective like mainstream, but there is an extreme amount of uh, of uh, uh, fandom and Raider Nation all over the country that it's like uh, they are up there with the pinnacle of the great historic teams. Not only because of their own story past and the three Super Bowl rings, but even to this current day, even they may not have like the the great backup uh, consistent uh, consistency of winning. Man, the fans have uh, never let this go, and, and it's almost become like uh, an unknown, unknown quantity of how much Raider Nation is all around the country. Well, and it helps when you're good. And I think last year, um, you know, the, the Raiders started holding up their end of the bargain. Yeah, their 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 fan base is tremendous, uh, and it's vast, uh, and it runs long, high, deep, far, all of that. Um, and I think last year they making that playoff run. It was a great game in Dallas. That was just a, a, a tremendous football so game. Uh, and then what they did against the Chargers uh, to end it all, mm-hmm. to get to the playoffs, which just a tremendous uh, game in itself. Uh, when you can start putting that kind of a product out there consistently, uh, you're going to see everything change, including some of these TV numbers, which they're always going to be good. But when the Raiders are, are good, are a good, entertaining football team that, that, that are going places, it just changes that dynamic even more for the better, uh, of course. And I think you're going to see, uh, as they continue to play good football, because I think they're going to build this year off of what they did last year, uh, and, and, and they are going to put a good product out there, I think you're going to see that reflected in some of these national stages that they get when you start seeing what the numbers are going to look like. You know, that's a great point, and let's end on that uh, to take a break and come back with more. we got some interesting texts uh, on the Sam and Ash text line, 69187, about Tyron Johnson's fit, as well as... Uh, how many people are we going to start seeing dressed? All that and more on the other side. It's Raider Nation Radio, Vinny, Clay, and Heidi on your Monday morning. Now back to the morning tailgate with Clay Baker on RNR 920 AM. Be part of the show. Text us on the Sam and Ash text line. Text the keyword RNR followed by your message to 69187. Thank you for joining us. Ryan Sakamoto will join us at 9 o'clock. We'll go over his observations from the Raiders camp, and we'll give you some updates from what we were able to see as everyone's out there now getting their stretch on, and we'll find out. uh, Take a look at the one-on-one drills, especially and what they have in store for us. It'll be all right here on your home for the Las Vegas Raiders, Raider Nation Radio, R&R 920. Uh, On Twitter at R&R 920 AM, uh, Raiders 2K also known as Fabian, says, Raiders not in the Hall of Fame. And I knew Fabian has this, like, on the back of his uh, hand, like, the names, the numbers already. Jim Pluckett, Lester Hayes, Jack Tatum, Eric Allen, Steve Wisniewski, Doc Christensen, Dave Dalby, Matt Millen, Townsend, Villapiano, Daryl LaMonica, Shane Leckler, and Amy Trask. Boy, you're very well done, Fabian. Thank you for that. That's great. And Shashi Jaram uh, also said, uh, I would also like to add Amy and Plunkett as well. You know what's funny when... Um, when uh, uh, Coach Tom Flores had his day at Allegiant Stadium and they had all the, uh, the rest of the Raiders gold jackets on the field, that was a beautiful moment. And uh, Dave Baker, the Hall of Fame president, was there. Um, and, and he went up to Jim Plunkett and he shook his hand 
And then he kept it there, and he put his you know ear next to his mouth next to his ear, and they were speaking because there's a lot of noise and stuff. And I asked Jim uh, a couple weeks after that, I was like, "All right, you got to tell me what was being said. What was David Baker saying to you?" And he's like, "Well, I can't really divulge any of that." <laughs> but I said, "Well, I hope two words said you're next or was involved in that conversation." Right, no doubt about it. And uh, Jim Plunkett won two Super Bowls uh, here uh, with the Raiders, and um, you know. It's so interesting, the arc of his career. And I know people also mentioned Rich Gannon's career. Uh, both of those players came to the Raiders late in their careers. Yep. Uh, both were uh, in the, into their 30s. People were kind of looking past them. Even right. though uh, Jim Pluckett was kind of young when he came to the Raiders, but people were looking on to other things. Yeah, um, so, uh, you know, uh, Jim was definitely a reclamation uh, project. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think he only played because Dan Pastorini got hurt um, that, that particular exactly. year. Well, we'll check to see what how old he was uh, when he got here. But I know that... Uh, uh, Rich Gannon was into his uh, mid-30s, 34 mm-hmm. years old or so. Um, and um, I think Jim Plunkett, to me, uh, being able to, to, to revise his career and win two Super Bowls after um, you know everyone had kind of written him off, I think, I think there should be room in the Hall of Fame for those types of stories, you know, as, yes. as examples of, you know, here's a guy whose career was basically – left for dead. Um, he went into a horrible situation coming out of college. Uh, I want to say it was the Boston Patriots at the time, uh, not even the New England Patriots. And he just got battered and bruised and was a broken man because he was playing on bad teams. It also shows how important Terrible team. the situation is uh, that you go to. Rich Gannon was a guy that was, and then you know uh, went to the San Francisco 49ers, uh, then, then came to the Raiders, and lo and behold, got his opportunity when somebody went down. And ended up taking the Raiders to two Super Bowls uh, over the years. I think there's room in the Hall of Fame for those types of stories. And by the way, if you want to bring it back and reel it back to today, Derek Carr is 31 years old. He's got plenty of time to rewrite his the narrative about him. If he can finish the second half of his career uh, in a flourish or with a flourish, everything that happened the eight years prior to it, Nobody's even going to care about it because <laughs> I, never care. I try right. to explain this to Raider fans. What did Rich Gannon do before he got to the Raiders? It's almost a forgotten type of a thing because all you're focused on is what he did to finish and how well he finished. He was a journeyman quarterback. You know, I, I grew up a Minnesota Vikings fan, so I'm well-versed uh, with Rich Gannon. Um, he was a guy that I think the, the Vikings traded for with the Patriots. The Patriots are going to play him at running back, drafting him out of uh, Delaware State or whatever college that he went to. He was a, he was a triple-option quarterback That's right. or a wing-T quarterback uh, in, in college. So <laughs> he had to learn how to play quarterback. But there's still – my point is there's always time left. And now the longevity that, uh, of quarterbacks – uh, how guys are taking care of their bodies, the protection that the NFL mm-hmm. has put on quarterbacks, which, yeah. um, you know, when you think about a Tom Brady, let's say, playing in Joe Montana's era, Joe Montana, let's not forget, there were a lot of concussions that Joe Montana uh, incurred. Why? Because they weren't calling, they weren't throwing the flags on barely touching quarterbacks as they do now. Uh, ask Max, Max Crosby about that. Um, you know, so there's way more protection for quarterbacks, which means quarterbacks are going to play longer than they did in the past. Troy Aikman had to retire basically because of uh, concussions. Why? Because it was a much more physical uh, game in terms of relative to the quarterbacks. It's still extremely physical outside of the quarterbacks, but they go out of their way to protect quarterbacks, which means they're going to play longer. So if you're uh, Derek Carr, who knows how to take care of himself and goes above and beyond to do that, 
who knows how many years Derek Carr has left. And if he can play at a high level with a better team around him, who knows where he's going to take his career. That's exactly true, and uh, you, you'll see it in every uh, resolve where, you know, in the past where getting your bell rung was a rite of passage as a quarterback. Here's another uh, thought from the text line, 69187, the Salmon Ash text line, because you deserve what's right. This is from, uh, I believe, Rocky Mountain Raider Dave out in Denver. He says, how many of the 90 will travel to the Hall of Fame game on Thursday? I'm assuming all of them. Okay. Uh, this is a that are healthy, I should say, okay. guys that are on the pup list or um, you know uh, that that need to stay back because of um, some kind of a physical uh, uh, situation will stay back. But I really think that um, it seems like anyway that um, that 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 Josh McDaniels is looking at this as an opportunity. Um, it's a bonding situation. It's the first time this this group is going to uh, get on a road trip together. There's a lot to be said about all of those things. And, and the fact that they're taking them a, a day earlier than normal. Remember, the game is on Thursday. They're flying out on Tuesday. It leads you to believe that there's, there's more to this than just the game. Uh, and they want to use this as an opportunity to really kind of come together and, and, and be galvanized. So I would assume as many that are healthy. Okay. Yeah, I would, I would have to think so, too. Like you said, it's uh, just almost like a, uh, an NFL offseason activity where you can go and, and you know, for the, for the NFL's concern, like, they were like, bring as many as you want. You know, bring right. the team. Because uh, it, it, it's a great little gift and a, possibly even a reward after having to start earlier than everybody else before the draft, training right. camp, and now for training camp already. It's, it, it's something that I think is like it's eligible for almost everybody to get out there. Right, exactly. And, um, and I, I really do think that they're looking forward to this. Um, what do they have, two road games? They have uh, this yeah. game and they have the Miami uh, Dolphin game, which is going to be a really quick trip. Uh, the third week, I believe, of, of, of preseason. Um, so you only get a couple of times to do this, and uh, I think the, the Raiders want to take advantage of it. The thing that I'm understanding about Josh McDaniels, or at least uh, my impressions of him, he's a very detail process-oriented coach. I think he hangs his hat uh, on all of that. We see it in practice, how it's structured. There's nary a moment for guys to be – you know, where are we supposed to be here, coach? Or yeah. It's like boom, boom, boom. There's it's an all, answer for everything. Yes, it's, it's everything is just orchestrated and uh, calculated for and, and accounted for every second that they're on the field, except for when a monsoon comes rolling in uh, <laughs> and knocks things out of whack as it, as, as it did yesterday. I don't think any player was complaining about that because it felt pretty good when that rain came. Um, but so when you think about how they go about their business in terms of meetings, in terms of how they practice, all of those types of things, it stands to reason that even a road trip becomes a very process-oriented uh, proposition. And, and just getting the players into a routine um, and, to, and into habits um, is very important. So uh, I, this is an opportunity for them to start building those habits and building that routine and building that process. I, I agree. And I, I think we just heard a little bit of it on, uh, on Friday. I, it's always like, I want to know when the plane arrives, when the bus gets there, all that stuff. Like He's got it down to the finite minute. And I, I love that. I love when guys are uh, that detail-oriented because you know that uh, they're in control. And uh, that's the kind of uh, personality you want when you need to go further than 10 wins and a playoff berth. We'll step aside and take a break. Uh, Vinny's got to get down, watch the practice. And we'll, uh, we'll talk to Ryan Sacamona, longtime NFL writer, uh, uh, NFL analyst now here in Las Vegas covering the Raiders. We'll talk to him about what he's been able to observe on both sides of the ball as the Raiders approach training camp this week here on Raider Nation Radio. Hey, guys, it's your boy Vinny B from Raider Nation Radio in the huddle. Guys, I've been talking for months now about TAT, an affordable quality CBD cigarette. Well, good news. All TAT products 
are now available at all Speedy Marts across Las Vegas. That's right. Tat products, all of them, are now available at all Speedy Marts across Las Vegas.